If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. And this is a super special episode. So special. Of the Mind Pump. So look, for the first 31 minutes, we do our introductory conversation uh, before we get into the fitness questions. So here's what we talked about. We started by talking about PRX's new Cerakote racks. These are lifting racks you put in your home. They actually fold out, but they're coated with this new uh, like ceramic coating. It's yeah. like gun metal, I guess. Uh, you said it right, too. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, it's not Cerakote. Yeah, Cerakote. Anyway, uh, we do work with PRX Performance. So if you go to prxperformance.com forward slash mind pump and you use the code mind pump, you'll get 5% off your order and a free MAPS Prime program with purchase over $500. Yes. Then we talked about our favorite all-time exercise machines. A lot of old machines in that one because, you know, we're all old here. Yeah. Uh, then we talked about trainers. Adam's return to 24-Hour Fitness and how he spoke to trainers. And we talked all about our enjoyment of talking to trainers. Um, we talked about my daughter's first taste of Organifi green juice. She kind of liked it. That's a win. Yeah. Now, Organifi makes organic supplements. Uh, and they are one of our sponsors. If you go to Organifi.com forward slash Mind Pump and use the code Mind Pump, you'll get a massive 20% off. Then we get into the fitness questions. The first question was, when working out your whole body, if only one body part feels like it's being overworked, should you scale back on that one body part or should you scale back the whole body and let the whole body kind of rest and recover? Next question. Perplexing. Um, how frequently should you work on correctional exercises. So if you're trying to correct a recruitment pattern or fix your posture or fix the way you move or walk or whatever, is that something you should do all the time or should you do it infrequently with a high level of intensity like you do when you're trying to build muscle? Next question, yeah. um, you know, we talk a lot about how running should be practiced like a skill or a sport. So if somebody wants to start running, what is our recommendation then? How do you go about practicing the skill of running? And the final question, do we have any tips on being an authentic influencer? And do we have any tips on how to spot the fake ones that you find all over social media? Ooh. Also, this month, one of our most popular muscle building, bodybuilding, physique competitor, bikini competitor focused programs, MAPS Aesthetic, is 50% off. You asked for it. You got it. Uh, this program is designed for people who want to really change how their body looks. It's an aesthetic-focused program. So you literally can pick body parts you want to work on and develop more. And through our focus sessions, train them with more frequency while training the whole body to look balanced, proportioned, muscular, and lean. So it's We're bringing sexy back. It's 50% off right now at mapsfitnessproducts.com. Make sure you use the code BLACK50, B-L-A-C-K-5-0 for that discount. Oh, and by the way, MAPS Aesthetic is getting, is getting a total revamp. So it's getting redone. It's going to look awesome. If you already have the program or if you buy the program now at 50% off, you'll get updated automatically at no additional cost. This is what we do with all of our programs. Oh, and by the way, at that site, mapsfitnessproducts.com, you can look up and check our other MAPS programs for different goals, different needs, and different people. Make sure you go check that out. Dude, how angry uh, How angry are you, Justin? I'm angry. Yeah, because you, you got your... 
<laughs> this is how we're opening up. I have a look on my face. Well, you have to be annoyed. That's the, I had to take a shit look, I thought. Yeah, no. Uh, no I'm is, always angry, Sal. Yeah. No, you have to be annoyed because you got your PRX rack. When did you get your PRX rack? <sighs> I got it last year, I believe, right? Yeah, so it's great. It's all yeah. set up nice and works out great for you. But are you annoyed now that you don't have the Cerakote one? A little bit. Did you see that? I'm a little bit perturbed. Yeah, it's way cooler. It, I mean, basically, the Cerakote, which I thought it was pronounced Cerakote, <laughs> uh, just because I wanted to pronounce it that way. Uh, yeah, it's actually this layer over the top, so you can actually see uh, that steel finish. You know, like guns and all that, where it's, they have that cool finish where it's like a clear, kind of transparent they use it in the gun industry, right? Because it's yeah. like non, it's what is it, corrosion resistant or whatever? Yeah, but so, but also why it's cool is because of all the damage. Like, so I've already had little bit flakes in, in, in when, I, when I go to rack uh, the weights with the bar. Yeah. Like, it'll scratch and like kind of ding it a bit, which is fine. Like, you're I'm so like, strong. Yeah, I'm just like um, Hercules yeah. <laughs> you know, it, in, in my it, own house. Is it more money for those ones that are finished with that, or are they, go, are they going that way? With oh, that's a good question. Yeah, that is a great question. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea if they're charging. So why I'm did, prepared for why that didn't you, Why didn't you get that one, Justin? They didn't have it. They didn't have the option. Okay, so this it wasn't- brand new. Oh, okay, so it didn't exist before. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. I'm into yeah. it. No, it's 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 a very cool look, and you know if you're gonna have it in your house, like uh, I would totally would have gone with that option because the powder coating, it does. I mean, it's great, and it, it, it protects the, the steel and everything. But it flakes. But it flakes. A, yeah, I was going to say. I mean, after a long time of banging on it, it's yeah. just kind of inevitable. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. must be. I wonder if it's more money or they just went to all their stuff. Doug will have to look up PRX and see what, if it's if it's new like that where all of them are converted or it's an option that you can pay more to have. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not sure about it. I know right now I'm kind of renovating to the uh, that room where I have it in, so um, I'm – I'm actually trying to like upgrade that wall and do kind of like the whole what we did in the front of of our studio mm -hmm. and like have all that um, uh, that that wood uh, reclaimed wood uh -huh. kind of finish would be would look really cool uh, with that there too. So yeah, you know i I have a, a thing for gyms that feel like gyms. You know what I'm saying? Like the color gray mm -hmm. metal plates that clang. Uh, just like I, I just have a thing for it. You yeah, know, gyms get real; they make them real nice and and aesthetic nowadays. Uh, but some of my best workouts ever were as a kid in some of these iron dungeons. Oh yeah, yeah, it's something motivating about it. It's even if it's like beat up and it. I mean, it just screams that it's been used. I don't remember what gym was it that we went to. Oh, it's when we filmed Big Tex. No, no well, no, that or, one's fucking love yeah. that place in in Texas. No, when we filmed, uh, originally filmed the Maps Aesthetic, we went to that gym Modesto. in Modesto. Modesto. Mm -hmm. And there were, they had a, so much equipment in there oh, that was I remember that. old yeah. school and, love that and a little fucked up, but still worked. Intersport. Mm -hmm. Is that what it was called? Yeah, Intersport. Is it still there? I actually think they closed that down. Oh, that sucks. Because I, I know the uh, the owner, She was she's a listener. Hopefully she's still listening to the podcast. And the last time I talked to her, she was telling me that I think they, they were moving on from that place. And that someone else might have reopened another one, but the original owners in the inner sport that I used to go to when I was a kid, like, I've... it's That I, wasn't the one you worked out at when you were a kid? No, no, that was. the one. With the, I'm saying now it's different, mm -hmm. I think. Um, I don't know for sure, though. Uh, when we went there, it looked just like what it looked like when I was a 15-year-old kid coming God, there. That feels so mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, it was pretty weird to, for the, when we were in there shooting that. It's cool. That yeah, was, there was... Um, one machine that I hadn't seen in a long time, it was a Nautilus chain 
fed or chain belt machine. So the squat one? No, no, that one too. But you know, nowadays if you go to a gym and it's a if it's a uh, you know selectorized piece of equipment, selectorized is the one where you take the pin out. Yeah, and it's you, all cable. Yeah, yeah. and it's either cable or belt. So they'll use a, like a nylon belt or a cable mm-hmm. to pull the weight rack. Well, when the original machines, like Nautilus was one of the original manufacturers of those kinds of machines, had a chain. Now, for obvious reasons, they had to change that because the last place you want to get anything caught in is between the chain and the cam. But the thing about chains that's really good is it gives uh, the machine a really good feel. It's like instant contact. Now, do you think? Do you, to you think it's a really good feel, or do you think that there's a part of you that's attached to it? I'm sure there is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. there is. You know. But some machines but, they haven't been able to duplicate. Like Nautilus had this incline fly machine that I've never seen anybody make any, ever again. So most fly machines now will have handles that you hold on to with your hands. Yeah. This one had pads that went in the crooks of your elbow. Do you remember this? Yeah. And you do this uh, with it to do a fly or whatever. Yeah. Have you and, messed with the the air compressed machines like Kaiser makes? Yes. I love those. Yes. And yes, those yes. like flywheel, the ones that give you resistance on the way back yes. as well. Uh. There was a machine at, actually a whole row of machines at the 24-hour on Nautilus, the original Nautilus, and, and I've, n- I've never seen these since, where you would load, it was a, a electronic resistance. So you type in the weight. So, okay, I want to lift yeah, that's a trip. 120 pounds. And it was, I don't know how the resistance was provided. It was with magnets or something. And it would Lasers. calculate. It would calculate the negative. So when you lower the rate, it would make it an automatic like twenty to thirty percent heavier. Mm. So if I push out a hundred pounds, it would come back one hundred and twenty or one hundred and forty or whatever it was. Right. It was a really weird feel. See, now that's uh, was it ARX? I think a bulletproof exec guy like promotes like that. It's like this crazy expensive piece of uh, equipment, but th- they always have it at like paleo effects and all that. Is so this they, the one that Ben did? Yeah. So it like it it. It overloads like the eccentric portion, and like you can only get like maybe like a one three rep few yeah mm. two three reps, and you're just like fried. That's what when we interviewed um, uh, Dave Asprey, didn't he say that that's how he worked out? Yeah, like, yeah. Little twelve yeah, minute workout. Like, he's like, you only need to do uh, twelve minutes once a week. I wonder how many of those things they sold. And he's They're like, so it gives you all the benefits huge. of a, of a workout that you would do every day. And, and at that, could, that's what? the moment we all checked out yeah, on the podcast. Like, okay. <laughs> Talk to us about coffee. Cool story. Yeah. Don't talk about fitness because yeah, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. true. Yeah. You're wrong on that one. Butter coffees. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. yeah. But I used to love that that Nautilus. And then there's another, another machine that I have yet to find as good as the original, which was the original lat pull down, uh, excuse me, um, pullover. Pullover machine. The Monterey has one. They have oh, the really? original one? Yeah. Oh, no. No, it's plate loaded. It's plate loaded. You're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. But it's pretty good, though. It's not bad. Yeah, it's pretty I good. I don't know. Was it Cyan, Jim? I mean, they had a lot of these cool uh, machines. And, like, well, you're the only one that's been there. We I, haven't been. I can't wait till you guys check it out. One of the coolest gyms I've ever been to. And, I, and we've been to cool gyms. Like, you haven't mm-hmm. mentioned Big Tex mm-hmm. and, like, the Reno gym. Like, this trumps all so of So, I keep saying, and I... I it, Taylor Love keeps correcting me. They're not so Cyan Gym is not in Sacramento. Where are they at? No, Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa. And it's uh it, you'd never know it even existed. Like they they don't promote it. Like there's just like a few members. like I don't even know how many members are actually like there at one time, but I just it, it, people kind of come in and come out and there's power lifters, there's bodybuilders, there's you know, it just has it has something for everybody. It's, it's crazy. a big gym. Yeah, like it's a playground, dude. Now I, mm. you know, I heard from I think Danny told me Danny or Taylor told me that the owner inherited a bunch of money and literally just built the dream their their dream gym. Well, it's it's totally like a lifter's dream. 
Like it, they they nailed it. I don't know how they figured out uh, the layout. Like if they designed all that themselves, but it was like pretty much perfect the way that the, it was all lined it's up. Like pretty much, pretty perfect. much. I don't know another word than perfect. It takes a. Uh, it's difficult to make a good amount of of money or to make a successful business on a gym that's just based off of awesome lifting equipment. As sad as it is to say that. I feel like that's a tough model. You know what I'm saying? Like to make money with a big box, it's like you got to go the, you know, the 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 you know what's it called, Planet Fitness route or 24 Fitness type of route. Yeah. Like it's tough with like a a gym that's like a lifter's paradise. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I I, I could see how tough that would be. One uh, piece of equipment that's more modern that actually is a is a reflection of old equipment actually that that I loved and if I ever 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 open a gym again in the future, I will definitely have this. Was that incline bench at um, Pakulski's gym? Oh, I like that. Uh, that was like so that. great. That was cool. That's actually the first time I ever used that. I, me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I that's liked. that's how benches, that's how incline benches originally were designed, and they were wood. There was like a wood plank that you lay back on. But if I if doing yeah, you're an just incline, like standing and then leaning back. Yes, because doing an incline press with dumbbells in an incline where you're kind of seated. So much better to to be able to stand, lean back, and kick the dumbbells back. I, I feel like I have better CNS uh, activation being able to stand and do that press. Well, yeah, it's, and it's, and those that have a hard time using leg drive for actually pressing, it totally promotes that because you're yeah. standing on your feet versus you know learning how to try and drive through your legs. Mm-hmm. I that, I really liked it. Plus, there's a lot of other things you could do with that thing. The rear yeah. delt flies we were doing on there. We're doing some laterals on there. Yeah. No, it's a great. His gym was my favorite bodybuilder gym that I've been in so far. Mm-hmm. That one, Big yeah. Tex is. It would be the gym I would want to lift in though, because I'm. I like the bodybuilder stuff, but I also like the fucking yeah heavy dirt. That, that motivates shit. you quite a bit. Yeah. I was I was into the Reno one a lot too. The Reno one with the basketball courts. Well, the you gra- like all the, the athletics. The grass, the grass hill, and then yeah. it had a whole floor that was nothing but uh, deadlift platforms. You know what I'm saying? And then upstairs. Oh, that hill that you could yeah. go with the grass Oof. to push the sled up. <laughs> it was, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, if that's I had, crazy. I think if, if if I could build the gym closest to my house that I would use most of the time, it would probably be something like that facility. Yeah. The only thing it was missing that, that would make it a more ultimate gym for me is, you know, and I'm loving this right now, being back at Club Sport is... I do like the little spa side of it. You know, yep. it's nice to have yeah. a, a really I nice, miss that. really nice bathroom, a nice locker room, steam, you know, dry and uh, steam sauna. It's we're old. Yeah, yeah. hundred percent. It, 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 it sounds is. way more you're appealing just, now. You're getting older, bro. Yeah, yeah. but they also that. have good. They have you know a good lifting area too. So it's yeah. normally and Club Sport finally got their shit together this last year. But before that, it was all it only attracted the older spa people. But now they've got that. That kind of, uh, I hate to say CrossFit area, functional area, yeah, yeah. right? That they have that's got a ton of like. Now, are you, have you made the transition to full naked in the locker room and steam room, or are you still covering yourself up? Wow. Yeah. You it, know, comes, it comes so with I'll age. Sal coming in with the, the hot questions. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a comfortable naked guy, but I'm not a go out of my way to walk around the locker room naked guy. Mm. So I'm like a, when I'm, I get my shorts off, I just take my shorts off and I'm standing there naked in front mm. of my locker. But I'm not the asshole who like walks around, walks comes, around, combs yeah. your hair. Yeah, yeah. I feel like your teeth. Yeah, I feel like it, I could get that done in my towel. Blow dry your balls. While I'm right there, yeah. and then I can drop my drawers right before I put yeah. my underwear on. Yeah. You know, I so. used to hate it when I would walk in because you do your walkthrough of the gym, right? Yeah. I, I would do my walkthrough, and every time I'd walk, because you know I'm the manager, so people know who I was. So I'd walk through and there was always some dude that wanted to talk to me about something about the gym yeah. or his membership. 
And this is the part that annoyed me. And there's it, this just wizard just staring at you. Yeah. There's, there's no, yeah. Yes. It's like, God damn. There's no, the, the thing that would irritate me isn't that he would be completely naked. It was that he would have one or two articles of clothing that didn't make sense to put on yeah, first. Like, like his socks. Yeah, like socks. <laughs> socks and flip-flops. Like a beanie or something. Yeah. yeah. So true. Like, really, guy? There was one guy that would just, just wear a headband on. He know, would just wear a everything. t-shirt. No, he would just wear a t-shirt. Yeah. And the t-shirt barely... <laughs> t-shirt, yeah. no pants. And the t-shirt would barely cover... That's my at-home move. That's my at-home move. Is that oh, your thing? Wow. Yeah, yeah. At home, I'm like that. That's weird. Yeah. Do you it's really? Like, yeah, yeah. At home, I'm like that. And it just hangs down it a feels little like bit. Yeah. Yeah. at that yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> you know what the worst was, though? At, at that same gym, I, I was like walking around and I noticed, you know, there's some guys, that, the older guys that are totally just cool being naked, but one of them was watching ESPN in that little room naked, sitting on the chair. <laughs> like your balls are touching where I would sit. Come on, guy. You know, like, we have standards. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. Uh, no, but that's, I, I don't know what that is. Like, is it, there would be guys that would go in and they would, it would again, put their t shirt on, nothing underneath, and then they go shave. Uh, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Why are you doing this? Yeah, speaking of, speaking of gyms, I actually stopped by our old stomping ground, all of us, all of Hillsdale. I went by uh, Hillsdale 24 Hour Fitness. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, yesterday. You which, were there too, huh, Sal, at one point? Uh, where? Hillsdale? Hillsdale? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 Re grand open that one. That's correct. That's the one where we all yeah, so, were. Yeah. yeah. Well, we both there did four nine seven too. So because Santa Teresa. Oh, yeah. you did Santa Teresa. Yeah. 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 So I I, I re grand opened uh, Hillsdale and then I grand opened Santa Teresa. All right. Yeah. So those are the those are the two San Jose clubs. Hillsdale is the original one that I worked out at, but it wasn't where it is now. It was where, where the Home, Home Depot. Yeah. Where the Home oh, Depot right. is, mm-hmm. and that first one was old school because it had a women's area, so men were not allowed in the women's area. Mm-hmm. That's where they had the different colored upholstery. It was the same fucking equipment. Yeah. They had racquetball, which racquetball is not a thing anymore. But in the in the nine early nineties, oh, huge and eighties. Oh, dude, that was that's how you made your the money. Athletic club, you know, mm-hmm. it always be called that. Mm-hmm. And you have racquetball, and you got like tennis, mm-hmm. yeah. and then they traded it for basketball because then mm-hmm. the, the new one moved over, and then they had the, the. It's not even a full basketball court, is it? It's a it's like a yeah. smaller like version, a half yeah, version. Yeah, like a mini yeah. version, and and, like, and then you you learn if you have a basketball court in your gym. You are going to have to break up fights, fights yeah. constantly every yeah. night. Yeah, uh, it's a constant thing. <laughs> yeah. So. so you were over there, huh? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it feel it, this is probably the longest I've gone without not like going into a twenty four hour fitness, especially to go see somebody who I I know there. Um, it it, it definitely uh, same feeling, but very different feeling for me. Like everything's the same in the gym. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like. Same people, same, same, same type layout. of people, same layout, same everything, right? Like the, the feel of it when you come in. But what feels weird for me is not being the guy. Mm. Like it, that was something that, uh, and this is something I teach trainers that work in a gym, even if you're you're not a manager, even if you're just the trainer there, like, you know, the guy who's willing to, or the girl who's willing to put in the work and, and be the trainer who like everybody knows because you mm-hmm. help and you answer questions and you're friendly and you walk around and he's always available. Yeah, you're and you just you get become known and you, you meet all your regulars and it's like cheers when you walk in and like you're looking to create that culture. Hopefully the leadership there is doing that. But even if you don't have good leaders there, you as an individual, if you're a trainer, 
should create this. And, you know, I'm used to walking in a 24-hour fitness and like, oh, yeah, Adam, oh, no, you know, like this and, and making my rounds. Are of you like, far enough removed yeah. now? Yeah, I'm totally, I'm nobody. You know what I'm saying? I'm no, I ain't nobody. So I walk in and I don't get that. Like, in fact, I Are walk, you doing the Uncle Rico thing? <laughs> yeah, hey, back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Let me see your DPR No, report, you know right? why? Because <laughs> I think I was like that. Like, uh, I think it, it reminds me of being the, the, the athlete uh, just out of high uh, just out of high school who comes back to the high school reunion and you're talking about your days and stuff like that. But I think I'm so far removed now yeah. that it's not even cool to tell stories unless someone's asking that. Yeah. But I walked to the front desk and I'm like, hey, is Thomas? So I, my our, our good friend, J- Justin, knows Thomas well because we work together. Yeah, Thomas uh, Kubota. Yeah. yeah, shout out to Thomas uh, ben R- and Ben Randall, who's the regional vice president who actually- Is he there too? He's RVP. Oh, nice. Yeah, Ben's the regional vice president. He's he's the one who gave the approval for Thomas to get there. I guess he reached out to Thomas, and Thomas was like, "Hey, I you know I want X Y Z as far as pay." And uh, Ben said, "Let me see if I can get it approved." And then he was there like the next fucking day, dude. Mm-hmm. He moved him into that, and then uh, went in. So yeah, I went and caught, caught up with him. Man, I haven't seen Thomas in in years, and uh, we had some great we had some great years together. Now I heard rumors that they are. They're trying to go back a little bit to some of the older ways of operating clubs. Is that true? So the unfortunate part is, yeah, they already did that, and now they're starting to make their way again to some of the Carl Ebert moves. Which I so yesterday I had a chance to sit down. Thomas, I got there, got caught up with him for a while, and then uh, he wanted to introduce me to his uh, assistant uh, sales manager and, and his fitness manager, and just kind of spend a little bit of time with them and let them pick my brain and shit. And so he calls them in and we're talking about like how, how things are ran now and they're looking to move in the direction of actually eliminating the entire sales team and moving towards the direction of like the McDonald's. No sales team? Oh, wow. Yeah, no sales team at move all. Move to the order yep. off the menu? Yep. Wow, good luck. Yeah, that's what I said. I thought that was really interesting that because I know that they- I don't were, know why why people do that. People need to realize well, because fitness e- isn't like that. Well, that's the problem. Is, yeah. And this is what happens when you, when you hire CEOs that are, for, I forget, like his- the DM, I mean, besides Ben Randall, who's the RVP, uh, the other RVPs and DMs and uh, VPs are all from other companies, dude. And the CEO, like nobody's from fitness. You yeah. got you have people that, and they're all coming from respectable companies, and the guys can crunch numbers really well. But you're right, like this is the fitness is unique. It's about the people, and mm-hmm. you you take that element out. I mean, it's so funny. It's actually, I just posted today on Instagram. I don't know if you guys saw my post mm-hmm. about the importance of relationship building. And like everything is happening. We're in this tech age now where everything is faster and cheaper. And it sounds like that would be a great thing, but there's certain things that weren't meant to be faster and cheaper. And one of those is relationship building and building value with another human being, especially when you're selling them on a dream that isn't tangible. Yeah. This is not something that they can go buy. It's something that 100%. you- 100%. It's not a physical product. No, people get confused. People are not paying a gym to have access to all this wonderful equipment. I know that's what it looks like, mm-hmm. but that's not what people are really paying for. And and by the way, the evidence is in how many people pay and don't ever go, that what they're really paying for and why they buy it is because they want to change how they look and how they feel, which right. isn't in your fucking gym. I don't walk into a gym and then see what I'm going to look like and feel like. That's not in there. All I see is equipment. I just see a big fucking room. And if you're going to sell me on just the room and the equipment, well, then I'm just going to look at the price. And I'm going to look at all the other gyms in the area, and I'm going to compare the price, and that's what's going to win me over. And eventually what that does is it drives the price down so low, and then gyms become these kind of dirty, cheap facilities, or you get these really expensive 
you know, type, and it kind of it segregates itself that way. But really, what it is is people are paying for, just like you said, Adam, a dream, and and people don't know what that is. They don't understand it. If they did, everybody would be working out. That's the bottom line. The bottom line is and fit. That's yeah. it. The bottom line is if everybody in the world understood, if everyone in America understood what we in this room understand about what you know an active lifestyle and what you know what eating properly can do for you and do for everything in your life everybody would do it that's yeah. the problem so you need to have people to be able to communicate that if you right. don't have that then you're good luck you're so, fucked so the, this the whole thing actually inspired me to and I told um, Brianna to help me out with this so I'm going to put it on the podcast cuz I haven't uh, put it on the podcast yet but you know, it, it reignited something in me that I just, I love to do. And I forget how much I like this. And I, I like leading other leaders and I love spending that time. And, and I got to spend probably two hours with his, uh, both his managers that work for him. And uh, I just, I love when I'm able to give to somebody that I can tell truly appreciates it. And then they look like they're going to go apply uh, some of the newfound knowledge or information. And so what I'm going to commit to is, starting to pop up in any local gyms in the Bay Area. So I've got a lot of relationships with a lot of GMs. If you're a podcast listener and you're a GM or a fitness manager um, and you want me to drop in and come talk to some of your trainers, I don't care if there's fucking three of them or you got 40 of them. That's fun. Obviously, I, I appreciate the the more people I can reach and touch. That helps me, but I will. I'll come down and just talk to a handful of people that are uh, in, in your club and I'm down. come hang out, and I'll try and bring Justin and Sal uh, as many times, but personally, yeah, I, fun, I, I, I'm going to commit to that and start popping up in some of these gyms because it does. I, I forget. I, we get so removed because now we have our own facility and we're here and I feel like a lot of the people that we're impacting are, are actually in these big box gyms and trainers that are working in these gyms. I, I mean, I would I would say that a good chunk of our audience are trainers uh, and other fitness leaders. And, I, you know, I, I always feel like we make a greater impact when, when we get to spend that one-on-one -on -one time. And that was kind of the motivation behind the post that I did this morning about relationships is remembering that, you know, because uh, I too am getting so immersed in this digital world now of podcasting and dms and inboxes and emails and it's like you know it that'll never surpass uh, the power of being able to connect with somebody in person mm -hmm. and the value of that it's just it's it's unmeasurable in comparison to this this touch touch and go where we're just trying to touch people text them like them smiley face bullshit like no, man, if you if you don't get to really understand somebody and know what makes them tick and then find ways to add value in their lives, like you're not going to forge a really good relationship, and I can't stress how important that well, is the, to anybody. Gyms and trainers and people in the fitness industry are the front line against, uh, in the battle against obesity and, and poor health. If anybody's going to solve, because I, I don't think people quite appreciate the predicament that uh, modern societies are in. The, the chronic health issues that are that, that we're being you know that are t we're having to tackle right now really do threaten to bankrupt some of the wealthiest nations in the world I mean the, the rise of things like uh, of course obesity and diabetes and anxiety issues and all these all these health chronic health problems that you can't treat with medications that you have to treat with changes in lifestyle mm. the fitness industry has the answers and the soldiers in that battle the ones on the front line, are the trainers more than anybody else? There's lots of people who are going to help this problem. You have doctors, you have speakers, you have social media personalities, you have uh, people providing great information, you have podcast hosts. 
But the ones that really, and I don't, the only reason why I'm saying this is because I was a trainer for 20 years and I know how many people we impact through our podcast. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that. We reach a lot of people. But if, if I can work with someone in person, um, boy, can I be effective. And, and like I said, those are the, the, that's the front line. Those are the soldiers. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I was just like listening to uh, another speaker talk about this and about addiction and, um, again, bringing up that study about the rat in the cage and then changing the environment of the cage, you know, of the cage and how different it was and despite the, the results. Rage. Yeah, despite all my rage. Um, <laughs> but thinking about that in terms of the front line and, and trainers and that human interaction, it's, it's the connection. It's the opposite of addiction is connection. And so, you know, we can only go so far as like, uh, from a podcast or from Instagram or from, you know, these, these remote, uh, ways of communing, interacting with, with people. Uh, whereas that human interaction is actually, that's, that's the bridge. That's, that's the real power. Uh, when you, when you build connections with people, uh, to battle addiction, to battle depression, to battle anxiety, to all these things, it's, that's the, that's the, the most potent way to combat it. Well, the trainers, uh, Personal trainers are the evangelists of uh, of fitness. Um, they're the one people become trainers mainly, uh, and, and again through all the trainers I've ever met, it's a it's a job of passion. It's a job of of purpose. Very few people become personal trainers because like, oh, I'm going to be a trainer so I can be rich, or oh, I'm going to be a trainer so I can be glamorous. Most people who become trainers are like, wow, I really love fitness. I have a passion for this, and I want to work for people. So here's what I'm going to do. And they become the evangelists for this this battle against you know uh, poor health. Um, the th- some of the things I like to communicate most to trainers is just how to communicate more effectively, and it really comes across in teaching them how to sell their ideas better because that's the that's the part that I think we could all use help in. So are you, you know, are you scheduled for Red Dot yet? Yeah, I'm going to go speak at Red Dot um, on the I think March 22nd, and the whole focus of that is is I'm going to be talking to trainers and training them on sales skills or on effective communication uh, because that just, in my experience, you can teach trainers training techniques, you can teach them diet techniques, you can teach them new exercises and all these great things. Um, but uh, the, the biggest impact that trainers make is when they learn how to really communicate the most basic ideas but communicate them in ways that are really effective. And that's also you know what sales skills are. So if you do them right and you really do a, a good job, you can get people to modify their behaviors in now, effective ways. Now, is Red Dot going to open their doors up to allow others to come in? Do you know? Like, He's going to be advertising it. Oh, yeah. he is. Yeah, he is. So, oh shit. So, so I think it'll be. I think it'll be open. But now that we're seeing on the podcast, I'm pretty sure he'll get a lot of a huge response. Well, I, that would be my recommendation if you're somebody listening right now and you're local and you, or even if you're not local, I guess if you want to come in for that, I mean, it's definitely valuable to spend time. It's with Red you. Dot Fitness. Yeah. Yeah. DM them. They're they're. they're I think they're Red. Red underscore dot underscore fitness. Is that what the I'm actual, not sure. I think their it. handle is. I'll look right now. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, and it's fun, you know, it's fun for me because yeah, it's red underscore dot underscore fitness, um, and dot is spelled D-O-T. I, you know, it, it's fun for me because when I talk to other people who are in fitness, the feedback that I get, um, is we don't get lots of feedback like that through, through podcasting, you know, through sitting down and talking to people who are actually training people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, talking to other people helps me also organize my ideas and my thoughts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it it helps me deliver what I want to deliver on the podcast even better because I was just talking to, you know, a bunch of people live and personally getting a lot of questions and stuff. So, but it's also fucking, it's a passion, dude. It's a lot of fun. You know, I I just enjoy doing it. That 
it's selfish for me to be honest. You know, it really is because it, I, I felt fulfilled from it. You know, it's like and here I am doing something where I'm giving my time or giving my information, but uh, there's something about uh, knowing that the, the the two I'm talking to are other leaders in their space, and they're going to go impact. 10 people underneath them who then are impacting all the consumers that are coming through the gym. So, you know, even though it's only two people, I know that those two people are, are greatly impacting that community. That's just it. And, yeah. it. and that feels really good, especially when I know that I'm breaking through. Like when I'm saying things that they're going like, holy shit, like I was taught the opposite of that, or I was told this, or I didn't even think mm-hmm. of that, or wow, that's fuck, I can't wait to apply that. Like you're getting feedback like that. And I'm like, fuck, I'm, that's mm-hmm. cool. You know, like, so even though I'm no longer the guy anymore when I go in there and I'm used to that feeling, I can still be someone who can impact it positively, which is a really cool feeling. And yeah. it's, it is, there's a little bit of selfish motivation behind, because I really don't have the fucking time to be doing this, but I tell you what, man, I, it, it, it was very fulfilling to do that. I mean, shit, it was great to reconnect with somebody who I, I have a strong relationship with, like Thomas Kubota, and I have a lot of respect for. By the way, do you guys want to have uh, Mike Tyson on the show? Uh, Say duh. what? Yeah. So what? he. Uh, he well, hold on a second. How the fuck? What? Yeah, he's got. He 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 offered to me. He said, uh, "So I'm calling you out, Thomas. If you're listening right now, so you, you know, <laughs> I hope you weren't blowing smoke. Yeah, yeah let's uh, see it happen. Huh? Yeah, no, he's 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 really good friends. He coaches a baseball. Uh, a league with uh, his best friend so he knows him really well and so he's like yeah no I can absolutely reach out to him and, and see if he we'll wants. see what happens right right for, for our audience is like when's the Mike Tyson oh, don't worry I'll, 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 I'll give Thomas his social up so they can fucking we'll get, <laughs> everybody I'm put the pressure on him right now <laughs> there, you, there you go that go would, Thomas balls in your court buddy that would be fucking awesome yeah he literally just texted me that right now wow yeah no no Um, you, tra- trainers are the ones working with people you know there's a lot of researchers out there there's a lot of doctors and PhDs and people who, you know, talk about the, the, the latest research on nutrition and, and the latest research on exercise and here's what we think needs to happen. Here's the other things that we need, you know, that we think need to happen. But you talk to a trainer who's been training people for 5, 10, 15 years and they'll tell you exactly what has worked. And what's worked is that individualized coaching, is that understanding people and it, it is understanding how to communicate to people. Um, and so that's why those are my favorite people to talk to. Yeah. They always will be. So anyway, I just want to tell you guys that uh, yesterday I had my my daughter try the Organifi green juice. For the first time? Yeah. She she tried it for the first time. Oh, she I didn't actually, know you like it. Yeah. So yes, she actually did. So right. at first she didn't want it because it's green. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Just so, like my dad. Yeah. Is, is he like that too? <laughs> <laughs> It's so, so resistant at first, you know. <laughs> ew, green, ew. No, no. Like, so are you I, serious? So I, she's kind of getting into why the why she eats certain things and what they provide her. Mm-hmm. So I thought this was a good opportunity to. So I mixed it up and I said, "Well, this is, it's a you know, it's a powdered drink. It's you know, dried, uh, you know, superfood vegetables or whatever. You know, spirulina, chlorella, all that stuff." And I kind of explained it to her, and I said, "And then they also made it kind of taste kind of good." So. You'll probably feel energy from you know drinking this, and she got all excited, so she tasted it, and she she's like, "It's not bad." I'm like, yeah. "Win," you know. <laughs> it's yeah. still my favorite, dude. That minty aftertaste is is awesome. Yeah, it's it actually feels really good. So, have you combined it with the pure? No, I've, I've I've combined the pure with the red uh, for the pre workout. Oh I'm still yeah, doing that. that's got to that. be that's got to be pretty good. God, I forget his name who suggested that to me, but he's like, oh, I'm talking about. I it like again. combining their shit. Yeah, you know what I mean, I like taking their stuff and, and mixing it's it. It's a up nice little experiment. See what happens. Yeah, just a cool fifty dollar drink, no big yeah. deal. <laughs> 
one ser- it's one serving. It's one serving. No, but yeah, but performance I, based. I, I haven't done that. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. All right, our first question is from Chris Lemus 94 when doing full body splits and feeling overtrained on a certain muscle group, yet getting stronger on other body parts, should you deload the whole body or only the body parts that feel overtrained? Okay, hold on. I got to reread yeah. this. Yeah. So no, basically, what he's saying is when you're working out your body and you like some of your body parts are progressing, but some of them feel overtrained. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say my biceps are just feeling really fatigued. They don't seem to be improving. I feel like I'm doing too much, mm-hmm. but you know, all the other body parts are doing great. Should you deload everything or just deload the area that you feel like it's being overworked? I think it's a really good question. It's hmm. a, it's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if I've ever been hit yeah, with that like, question like that. And I'm trying to use your, your analogy where let's give it, give me an example where you may have seen this with a client where they've said this to you like, well, Hey, I've, I've felt this before. Are okay, tired, so give me, let me hear, me let me isn't. hear your example so I can then better give an answer. Yeah. So I felt this before where like, I'll be training a particular way and, um, you know, my pressing movements are feeling good. Pulling movements are feeling good, but I feel like I've done too many deadlifts and my, Low back is feeling a little bit overworked, over fatigued. So then, what I'll typically do is back off on the on the deadlifts, but I won't back off on the other exercises. Versus, you know, should you deload everything? In other words, Um, and and it is a good question because okay, so then then yeah, and I think that's the answer is exactly what you said. Is there's I would definitely wouldn't if I'm only feeling fatigued in one part of my body. Uh, there really is either one, I'm probably doing too much of something like deadlifting because that is a good example. Um, I, I think you, you just back off of that, that one, that movement that's probably causing you to feel this way, your low back being fatigued or, cause I can't think of any other example than that. Then yeah. like your, but what are your biceps going to be fatigued? And and it not like if you're rowing could well, incorrectly. You, you like, can definitely overwork one part of your body and the other areas improve. However, there is a systemic effect too. So mm-hmm. and the bigger the muscle group, the more that the systemic effect uh, probably takes place. So like if I overwork my legs, it's probably going to influence the rest of my body more than if I overwork, let's say, my forearm flexors, for example. Um, so I think that the logical thing to do would be to deload the area that feels like it's over being overdone. And the way I deload it uh, first is reduce the intensity. I typically don't. Or just, or, or pull out the exercises that are probably causing yeah. that much damage. Like the only yeah. time I've ever feel like this is your example of, and this has definitely happened to me where I know that I'm squatting too much or I know that I'm deadlifting mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. Like squat, like my, my knees start to get achy or I feel like I'm not really progressing strength wise. My, my squat, in fact, there's times where I'll feel this where, 
like week over week over week, I was feeling stronger, stronger, stronger. Then all of a sudden I hit kind of a plateau and maybe even see a decrease in weight yep. yeah. and see myself getting weaker. That's normally a sign to me that I'm overdoing it. It's time to deload. And mm-hmm. that's where I would. Yeah. I've, I guess I've had that with bench press too, where I feel my shoulder really like talking to me and I'm like, I, and between that and then all the other shoulder pressing moves, I, you know, in combination with that, it was like the volume of it was really increased where I was like, okay, I need to like extract some of these. So then what exercises. would you, you what would you do? Just pull one extra one, just, major, yeah, one or two major one of the ma- ones, one of the major, major offenders. Yeah, right. That's yeah. what I would do too. Is I pick one offender that's probably cause that's most likely causing this. Yeah, over- I wouldn't avoid all movements, you no. know, in that in that uh, particular muscle. But group. if you put if it's a big body part and you push it too hard, then you may need to deload the whole body. But that's not as common. But here's something interesting. So I just read, I can't remember where it was. I just read a study where they were determining the recovery. Uh, ability, the the general recovery ability of individual body parts, and they were ranking them. Oh, right. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, which this. body parts require the most rest? Which body parts can handle the most uh, frequent load or the most work? So right? you said co- the core and calves. Low, so it was the lower body. And then core were the ones that you could work the most. Oh, the most. Yes. They recovered the fastest. Yes. And then it was like chest and back and stuff that required uh, the most amount of rest. Yeah. Now, I found this fascinating. Because, and, and it kind of feeds into the old, you know, uh, I guess- Like work bo- your core every day. Yeah, bodybuilder mythology where they're like, oh, calves need to be hit every day. Yeah. Hit your core every day. Legs can be worked out more frequently, but you need to work these areas a little less frequently. And the, the speculation was- are these body parts inherently different? Is it that your legs and calves are built different and they re- they need more work, or is it that you just use them all the time? Yeah, that's what I think. I think they're Same. just involved with like every movement. Yeah, you it, know, so it's like it has to recover, but like your body prioritizes the recovery. Yeah, because I think if you take the average person, uh, the average person at least walks, so they're the you know people don't walk on their hands. Yeah, so their calves can probably take more work than the rest of their body. So I mean that, and that kind of applies, I guess, to this question, where some body parts just aren't going to be able to handle uh, the load or the training or the intensity mm-hmm. that other body parts are going to be able to handle, and so just scale those particular areas back, and then and then see how you feel. Have you guys noticed the areas of your body that you can just that just be able to handle way more than others? Yeah, my buys and tries, anything that's mm. incorporated in my arms. Cause I, and I've trained that for so many years, I think, to handle that much volume intensity that now it's 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 almost impossible. As a matter of fact, it was used to be really difficult for me to even get a pump in them because well, how much I overdid them. Mm-hmm. I've actually had to lay off for many years just so I could still I could feel them again. But I used to be able to just hammer my buys and tries for an hour and a half and walk out the gym and be the next day I could hit him again if I wanted to. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's it. And that I think is important to, to think about is like the things that you've neglected the most are probably the most sensitive to feel overtrained and overdone. The things that you have built that intensity, built that volume up over years are probably going to be able to handle a beating. Or like you said, you guys referenced the walking, like your things like calves and shit like that mm-hmm. tend to be able to handle a lot more. Next question is from SD Ward 92. How frequently should you work on correctional repatterning movements like in MAPS Prime Pro? Once a day, each movement twice, or for time? Okay, so correctional exercises are best done very frequently. As frequently as possible. Yeah, very, and with, lo, with, with a low load and lower intensity. And, and the reason here's the reason why. Um, so if you're trying to build muscle, you want to use a, a certain load and certain intensity. It's usually a high load and high intensity. Because that's what 
tends to work the best for muscle growth. But when we're trying to change a movement pattern, we're not trying to build muscle. We're trying to change how your body literally fires muscles and, and, and relaxes other muscles. And it's, it's called a recruitment pattern. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to change that. And if you add too much load or too much intensity to that, you're going to revert to the, the, the pattern that you do all the time. So it's like, imagine if you're trying to run a new way. You get a running coach and the running coach says, okay, here's change this about the way you strike your foot. Change this about the way you run. And so now you're practicing, you're practicing, but oh, fuck, there's a bear chasing me now. So now I got to run real fast. Mm-hmm. You're going to go back to the way you know how to run best. The other example I like to give is, is using a typewriter. If you know how to type just two fingers and I'm teaching you with all of your fingers and then I say, hey, type as fast as you can, I'll give you a thousand bucks. You, until you've learned how to do it really, really well with all your fingers, you're going to have to go back to the two fingers because that's the fastest way you yeah. know how to do it. So when it comes to correctional exercise, it's got to be done a lot, but it's also got to be done kind of a, at a lower intensity because too heavy or too hard and it just goes back. Yeah, it's interesting going through the coaching process of sports and like paying attention to all these like little nuances like wrist position, uh, you know, how they're incorporating loading of the back foot and driving of the the hips and all these things are have to have to add up and line up in sequence for it to produce the best result. And um, I mean, this is no different than that. Like we're, 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 we need to refine that process and that takes a lot of practice. And mm-hmm. so just, uh, just honing in on that particular movement and really paying attention to it and being present in it, uh, is going to be like the determination of whether or not it's going to stick because your body already has a way that it's like, this is the most effective way to do this. And so we're fighting that natural tendency. And so it just takes repetitive, repetitive practice um, to then, you know, build it into the the subconscious where now this is the new operating system. Yeah, it's tough. I, I used to tell clients to do correctional lectures. I, I would give them a few. And the problem with this is it's tough. It's you know, when I train people, they come in, they'd work out with me for an hour. That wasn't hard because they were there and they showed up. The hard part was, okay, here's your homework. Like, go do this on your own. And so what I found to be the most effective is I would do correctional ex- exercise with them at a bit higher intensity because I could watch them and kind of force them into position. Mm-hmm. Then I would give them like one or two movements because and I'd want to give them five, but there's no way they're going to do them all the time. So I'd say, here's your one or two movements. And then what I want you to do is while you're sitting at your desk – um, every other hour, just do five reps of this movement right here just and really connect to it. And I'd have them do it all day long, every mm-hmm. day. I had the best success uh, you know, doing it that way. Yeah, and to find opportunities uh, to include it is everything. So in the first thing in the morning, you know, like before I get in the shower, like there's certain mobility moves I'll do. And, um, you know, I'm struggling with, with some pain right now. So I'm like every opportunity I have where I'm sitting and listening to somebody and I, and it's not like a really weird, awkward thing for me to like plop into a 99 or whatever. I'm going to do it. You know, I'm like watching TV. I'm just going to do it. Like, I just, I think of that as like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm intentional about like trying to include that in where I would normally either be sitting or just be kind of waiting for something. Like I'm, I'm going to just use that opportunity to, to now, uh, apply these mobility moves. Yeah. I, I do, um, like short foot and foot exercises that we learned from Brink and I just do them throughout the day, you know, like sitting here while we're podcasting, I'll start doing it on my foot. Like, yeah. you, know, you know, while I'm writing, I'll do it on my foot or if I'm watching TV, 
And that's been the most effective, uh, effective way I've done it uh, before. My belief was that, oh, you do, you got to do dedicated hour of correctional exercise twice a week. And it just did not work uh, nearly as much. It has to be something that overrides your, your old habit, you know, and it's, and then it's got to turn into something you don't, you use subconscious. That's perfect. It has to turn into something you don't think about anymore. Like when people are like, oh, good posture. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm just going to try and stand up with good posture all day long. That's impossible. Um, you don't want to have to think about your posture all day long. You know how stressful that is? Yeah. You imagine every time you stand, you have to think about what you're <laughs> doing with your posture. We want to get you to the point where your good posture is natural. That's just how you stand. Or when you're you know, you're squatting down, that's just how you squat. That is your new, uh, you know, your new default pattern. And that just requires lots of practice over and over. I know, you know, Adam, when you were working on your squat, you would just sit in it throughout the day i might see you do it all the time yeah no that's been and now it's the comfortable position i know everyone's was commenting on the that last photo that we took of all of us in the group but like it's now a comfortable spot if i need to kneel, if i need to kneel or get down uh i will i'll get in a squat first which that was never like that before Mm -hmm. it was it took the the time of having to create the habit and and actually do all the work and this is i like to focus on one joint at a time so, uh, you know, for me, I worked the ankle first, then I went to the hip, and then I started focusing on my shoulders. So I, like Sal, you know, I, I've had the most success with clients with one thing. Literally, like, I'm just going to, I, I want to create, like, for me, it was like combat stretch, which, you know, and why I like one thing, because it's so fucking tedious in itself, that, and, and that's why I think a lot of people don't do it, but it was probably one of the most impactful uh, stretches that I ever did uh, to improve my ankle mobility, which was the combat stretch. And so it was like, it was all about the combat stretch. So every single time that I went to the gym, I for sure did it before I, I got started. If I was good, I was also doing it after I finished my workout. And then one to two times throughout the day, I'd be doing it. And it was just, and then it would just get to a point where I was doing it so much that now I could get down in the squatted position and I could kind of do a combat stretch in a squatted position. Because mm-hmm. all it really is is you driving your knees forward. So I can I can do that uh, intrinsically, pushing my knees forward over my over my toes till I, I feel that limit to where it can't anymore. And then I just lift both toes up. So I've now learned to combine a lot of the mobility drills that I had to do by them, isolate and do by themselves multiple times per day to get that newfound range of motion. Now that I have there, I just to, just to stay connected, I can kind of combine all of them. So you see on my uh, Instagram not that long ago, I posted the the squatted uh, kind of reverse fly move that I do, mm-hmm. which I'm I'm priming and working on my 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 uh, thoracic mobility and my shoulders there, but I'm also I'm also keeping my good ankle mobility because you can't see it, but I'm also lifting my toes up towards my shins and I'm sitting upright and I'm bringing I'm tucking my chin back, so I'm actually doing one move. That's kind of just keeping good mobility in all these other joints. But I had to get to get there. I had to isolate one and just and do it as much as I possibly can. Because like you said, Sal, it's like you're trying to combat not just some bad patterns, but bad patterns that you've been doing for probably years. And so, you know, five times for three weeks is not enough. You know, this is something that you've got to fucking drill in and it's got to be like you said, second nature. And then once I see progress in that joint, I'm moving to the next one. And then now I'm just about trying to keep it all Think up. Think about it this way. It's like learning a new language. Um, the most of, Anybody will tell you the most effective way to learn a new language is to immerse yourself in that language. 
um, and live in the place that speaks that language, you learn it real quick because you practice it so often. So that's the most effective way, I would say. But of course, you have to be pragmatic. So for pragmatism's sake, I would say do the correctional or repatterning movements at least twice a day. Spend 10 minutes twice a day. Um, Even better would be three or four times a day. Next question is from Cray Manley. You guys talk about how running should be practiced like a sport. How would you go about practicing the skill of running? Mm. Uh, I would say slowly. You know, you got to yeah. you got to start really, really slow. I, here's the thing. Ideally, I mean, I'm going to talk about generals here, but uh, this is so different from person to person that if you really want to be a, if you really want to run, okay, if you're an adult and you really want to run for a workout and you want to develop a uh, you know, a long um, habit of running and enjoy the, the, the benefits that come from running and the skill of running, the best, absolute best thing you could do is hire a actual coach mm-hmm. that specializes in running and literally tell them, hey, look, uh, I've, I'm, I haven't run in a long time or I'm not a runner. I want to be able to run for a workout, but I'm not hiring you to do a workout. I want you to teach me how to run properly in a way that I'll be able to do for a long time without injury. That's the absolute best thing you could do. Now, generally speaking, for most people, um, I would say uh, don't run to fatigue. That's number one. So you want to run. As you, st- you start to get a little tired, stop, because that's just going to throw your, your, your form all off. Focus on running well by you know watching videos and, and reading books on it. Um, and do a, an adequate amount of priming before you go out and run. So before you go out and run, it's like part of your warm-up. Prime your ankles, prime your hips, uh, prime your core, maybe even your thoracic, uh, because believe it or not, um, running can encourage forward shoulder in a lot of people. Um, and then go out and do it real slow and practice. Practice the skill of it. As you start to get tired, stop for a second, catch your breath, and try it again. And give yourself a lot of time. You know, give yourself a lot of time to get better at it. Yeah, the coaching uh, part is 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 very important. I think that uh, having other eyes assess. Um, you know, your gait, uh, assess like your ankle mobility, assess, uh, you know, the way that your your spinal alignment and everything else is set up uh, in terms of like the prerequisites and, uh, you know, before we get into the actual training for running, um, just just to get you in a, in a good place where now I can this repetitive stress which is really what running is like it's just this repetitive stress and this the same uh, mechanical movement that we're trying to uh, refine as as you go through the practicing part of it um, it, to really set yourself up for it uh, really is going to require somebody to um, sort of break down and look and see where these uh, potential deficiencies may lie I really highly suggest you get a good assessment um, to uh, make sure that, um, you know, as you're striking the ground and all these, the pressure points and all these things are lining up and stacking up in a favorable way where uh, if it's a, if it's a long-term uh, in terms of endurance, is that your goal? Uh, or do you want to be a good sprinter? Um, you know, what, what particular event or what, what, what's like drawing you in towards running? Like what's the motivation there? I think that's, that's going to be, you know, a big determiner for me, even as a coach to try and get you, uh, running for that particular, uh, way the best. Yeah. Right right now, if you, if you want to, like, let's say you want to start running and you go to like a running store that sells really good running shoes, what they'll do is they'll have you 
run. They'll watch how you run, and then this is what they do. Which, tell you some insights. Yeah. yeah. yeah be well, careful of this. Yes, but, it's, yeah. and this is fascinating. And it works in the short term, right? They'll watch you run and be like, oh, and they're smart at this. And, and they do identify running patterns, and they'll say, okay, you your feet pronate, meaning they both turn in, or your feet supinate, or your toes turn this way or whatever. I have the perfect shoe for you. And then what the shoe is designed to do is offset – and almost set up a crutch. Yeah. So if your feet pronate, it's going to have a strong, you know, uh, aspect in it to prevent that from happening. And then you'll run in these shoes that are designed for your dysfunction. Yeah. And you'll be like, "Whoa, I feel so much better running." But it's really not fixing the problem. Hell it's no. masking it. No. Prime your body, learn the mechanics, stop before fatigue. It's the same process I'm going through swimming Boom. right now. Get make sure my body is primed in a good position before I get in there and I swim. I've learned the mechanics now. I've been watching tons and tons of tutorials and picking up on the areas that I were what I was doing poorly. When I get in there and I start doing, you know, 25, 50 meters at a time, anytime I get beyond 50 meters, except for at the very beginning when I have a lot more gas, but as soon as I start getting beyond 50 meters, I start to notice the form breakdown. My legs start to drag a little bit. Uh, my head has to roll back more to get air. I start slamming my arms into the water. I could still keep going. But as soon as I feel that, I stop because I'm trying to perfect my mechanics right now. If I'm really going to, and I'm approaching swimming the same way that I would think you should approach running is learn the mechanics, understand what what good mechanics look like, whether that be hiring a coach and or shit, there's probably great YouTube tutorials just like I found for swimming, you know, that you could learn and study. Yeah, which at I, least film yourself so which, you can assess it. Right. So I, I've done all this stuff and I've now started to pick apart my mechanics. So I, there's, and there's a handful of things like I just uh, talked about. My legs start to drag. Uh, I rotate my head up for more air when I'm, when I'm starting to get fatigued. Uh, my arms, I start slamming them into the water. So I start doing these little things uh, right as I start to get fatigued. And I, like I said, I could keep going for another easy 50, 100 meters. But I stop there. I stop. I gather myself. I let my heart rate come all the way back down because I'm not trying to just build endurance. I want to create good mechanics. And so I care more about that than telling somebody, oh, I just did a thousand meters straight. Like, well, I could do that. It would be ugly and awful. And I would also start teaching myself bad habits where I don't want to do that. So running would be the same thing. Learn the mechanics, understand what good running looks like. And prime the body before you get into it, and don't push yourself be, uh, beyond fatigue. Next question is from J. David Suso. Tips on being an authentic influencer and how to spot the fake ones. Oh, man. How much do you hate? You guys hate that term? Influencer. Influencer. Yeah, it's, it's going to die. the worst. I think so. It's going to die. I think what we're, we're kind of in the, in the middle of an uh, influencer bubble. Yeah. Um, because social media has allowed so many people to build a business and grow a platform. Well, it's really the new celebrity, if you mm -hmm. want to throw a term out there. It's like the same shit. It's well, I, I think well, as it gets more competitive, um, it may change a little bit. Right now we're seeing kind of this bubble of, you know, like become an influencer, learn how to influence people. This is what you, you know, want to do or whatever, so you build your business. Um, as far as it being, I mean, the only, the only tip I can give to be authentic is to actually be, Authentic. I don't know how else to answer that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, no, how do you spot? No, totally. How do you spot the ones that are not? I think that's uh, the yeah. question. The question is, how do you how do you spot the fake ones? The ones that are not really authentic. How do you how can you differentiate mind pump from so and so who claims to be this authentic person but isn't really? It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, it's 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 uh, like it's it's like porn. Like you know it when you, you see just gotta it. Gotta know. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I know I, I know a fake what? when I see one. You never heard that term? What? 
there was in a, I think it was a Supreme Court case where they were talking about pornography and how do you label it? You know, what's porn, what's art, whatever. Yeah. And they said, well, I just know it when I see it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, I, you know, I, like I know there's a lot of, look, I can be obvious. Like I can say, oh, the, like the, the lighting was a little better. I could say all the fitness Sorry. influencers that, and I'll stick to fitness because that's, that's my, my expertise or whatever. But, I, you know, I, people who don't know what they're talking about, people who post lots of pictures of their butt to get lots of likes, uh, people who change their their message to move along with the fads um you know i, I could say all that kind of I, stuff i but. think it, i think a good one is uh, measure the value that they're adding to your life mm. you know if if you are in and you, you have to ask yourself this if you're following a quote-unquote influencer and you really ask yourself what is it you like best about this person and is it because they do funny shit on their Instagram or they do cool impressive shit or they drive cool cars and that's is what's driving you to their thing ask yourself if that's really things that add value to your life maybe it does I don't know but to me if that's if that's the things that you are if you're trying to, to decipher whether these are fake ones or not I mean everyone's real right mm. and they're obvious and if they're if people are going and buying things because of them they're all influencers right they're not fake they're they're just as real as we are the difference is they use gimmicks and bullshit to to persuade you to try and buy things, and you know the, the only way I would be able to tell is how are they doing that? You know, are they doing that through you know showing you cool shit that has yeah. nothing to do with the the value they're trying to add in your life? Like, I I, I think that's the the best way to separate uh, who maybe you should or should not be following, but that's going to be different yeah. for. Every person. Uh, yeah, it's tough, dude, because, I mean, I, there's times where you see people like virtue signaling and, and things like they, they, they say things that uh, they know uh, like, oh, it's going to buy uh, my empathy or, you mm -hmm. know, like I'm like, oh, wow, like, yeah, he's so real, you know, but yeah. it, like he's, it's all planned, right. you know, so it's like it, it's a tough question to answer if you don't apply critical thinking towards all these you know like exactly like so if they are applying value in your life but also they're willing to um i don't know like connect like on a, i hate to say real but like the you just feel it feels like they really care and they're they're passionate with the subject matter yeah there's an old uh old saying i think in advertising where it's like donate you know, ten thousand dollars to a charity and spend a hundred thousand dollars letting everybody know that you did that. That's, right. the, that's the virtue signaling exactly. that you're talking about. And you do see a lot of that in social, like, oh, today, you know, it's a picture of myself or whatever. Today, you know, I had a great day. I actually helped all these people and I helped this person do this. And I, you know, right. just wanted to talk about how I helped all these people. Or, hey, today I'd like to talk about. There's how, a lot of that right now. Yeah, that's why I bring that up. Yeah, I'm trying to, you know, not have a big ego. So let me tell you about how like small my ego is and how evolved I am. And here's my post and please like it type of deal. That that kind of stuff it's, it, it comes across as, as the kind of fake stuff. But at the same time, we're you know we use these platforms to promote ourselves, right? Um, and, well, and, and promote and what we're trying to talk. There's a lot of businesses, and at there. the same time, as consumers, we're following and we're buying. Yeah. So are they not real? I mean, they're yeah. they're influencing people. Someone's we're all doing the, the dance. It's kind of it's kind of more like what's your flavor? You know, yeah. if you're the per and may, some people don't give a fuck about the superficial side shit. Like I mean. They, they're there. I follow some Instagram accounts that uh, I am not allowing them to influence any part of my life, but they post cool pictures. Yeah. They got cool pictures of bulldogs, or they snowboard, or they got dope-ass cars, or they got, they're into watches. It's Shooting just, guns with right. Daniel Zarian. But I yeah. most certainly am not taking advice, or I'm not allowing them to influence me in the things that I do. But I think there's nothing wrong with following people because you like some of that cool shit. 
Uh, and I, I don't think it's a matter of deciphering whether somebody is a fake influencer or a real influencer. I think if they have a following and people are going and doing things because they do them or they say them, they're a fucking influencer. I, I was having a conversation uh, the other day with a, a potential guest that we may have on the show, and I don't want to talk too much about him because I want to leave it for the episode, but we were talking about how the this this age that we're in of you know of media, social media, and, and technology. And what he's saying is that in his generation, these are younger people, that there's this, there seems to be this huge movement of people who are trying to unplug more and start to abstain from using social media or at least start to put parameters and limits on it because they're finding it's becoming cons- all-consuming. And one of the things he said is he says, you know, ask yourself, there's nothing wrong with using media and there's nothing wrong with listening to certain people's advice and stuff, but when you're on social media... Ask yourself if what you're doing is constructive and helpful to you or if you're just wasting time. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing. Like, am I on here just kind of bullshitting because then that can become addictive or am I on here because I'm getting information or I'm trying to run my business or I'm trying to, you know, figure something out because it's a, it's a powerful tool. I thought that was an interesting, you know, uh, conversation, interesting way, thing well, to think about. something that I like that, that feels the most authentic and real to me, because I'll be honest, like even Instagram in itself doesn't feel fully authentic and real to me because mm-hmm. I grew up most of my life without social media. And I'm, I've always been a, I mean, I used to tease my friends that were big into Facebook when Facebook came on and said like, I don't need Facebook. I have real friends in oh. real life. And that was kind of my comeback to why I would have made fun of myself. Right, why I was on it. And I mean, I've evolved from that and I believe there's a lot of value in it. But at the same time, too, there's some parts of it that I feel like, you know, I try and present things that represent the stuff that I'm into and who I am. So if you're somebody, the way I look at it from a business perspective, if you're dropping into my page and you scroll through it, at first glance, I feel like if you read the captions, you look at the photos I have, you get kind of an idea who I am. I'm sarcastic. I'm kind of an asshole sometimes. I say witty shit. I talk a little bit about fitness. You know I'm into working out and helping people. I'm into business type stuff. I love bulldogs. I like to snowboard. I feel like it's a a, a business card or a representation of who I am, but it doesn't feel super real and authentic. The most real and authentic part I feel uh, on the social media platforms is either this one right here that we're doing right now on the podcast because it's long form and not scripted or when I do the Q&As with people where they drive the content. They ask the question mm-hmm. and I just respond the way I would yeah. reach, which sometimes is a smart ass response. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's it's deep. Sometimes it's fucking whatever. Like, or I don't fucking know the answer. That's me. That's mm-hmm. like what you get when uh, when, when you deal with me. I think that's as authentic uh, as I have ever felt on this on these it's platforms, a, it's alluring to chase the likes, uh, you know, on the pictures and the and the approval, and I think that sometimes directs people in a way that is not authentic to themselves. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. somebody notices, oh, if I post a picture of myself flexing or whatever, or my shirt off, I get lots of likes. And that encourages them to do that more. And when in real life, this person would never do that. Well, I'm, you know? I was this example. Yep. I used to tell you guys this when we were first building this. And and it served its purpose to to take the selfie mirror selfies. And I thought it was a, I thought I've added a lot of value for people as far as showing them what I looked like, showing what I did, you know, carbs, protein, fat, this and that. But it required me to be in front of the mirror, not only looking at myself, but posing and taking a picture. That could not be further away from who the fuck I really am. Like I didn't, and I never cared about bodybuilding or any of that stuff. So when I first was building the Instagram, and obviously every other post is that. If you're a person who drops into my page then, you think I'm this self-absorbed asshole who's into his body. Sure, he knows his stuff about fucking working out and stuff like that, but you get this kind of perception of me that I don't think is a good 
uh, isn't really good. Um, accurate. Yeah, accurate perception of who I really am, where I feel like my Instagram is more really who I am. I don't chase likes. I don't try and drive traffic anymore on that. I just post occasionally when I have time, and I normally post things that I think represent my life, what you see me doing or what I'm into, and I try and be as, as real and authentic as I possibly can. But originally... I wasn't. I was chasing follows and I was chasing likes and that was working. And And I remember it ate away at me. It ate away at me because when we transitioned into the podcast, you know, and that's why I feel sorry for a lot of these people that I'm not impressed if you've got millions of followers and you're having to do things that aren't really you every single day to get there because I know what's inevitable. I know that eventually that wears and breaks you down. I know eventually it causes all kinds of anxiety and depression and you fucking end up quitting or you can't live with yourself over or you're taking a bunch of pills to suppress it. And I've seen a ton of this. So you want to be yourself. You want to be as real as you possibly can be because even if it's working for you right now to get a lot of likes and follows, if sooner or later that shit comes down. It does. And the irony is from a business perspective, uh, if you have 5,000 actual real followers who really connect with the authentic you, that is from a business perspective mm-hmm. worth more than 50,000 looky lose who have no idea who you really are and just following this this fake facade and it's it's very very true i know lots of people with huge followings can't they can barely turn it into a ten thousand dollar a year business because they've built this 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 whole persona um that provides no real value so mm, if that said make sure and follow me on instagram at mind pump justin uh you know just Go do that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal and Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Also, if you go to mindpumpfree.com, uh, you can check out some of our guides. Uh, and they're free. They cost nothing. Download all of them. Check them out. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.